the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good morning. Happy Saturday. Welcome to the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. News Talk 710 KNUS. Now 7 to 10 on 710. Good to be with you on the program. 303-696-1971 is our telephone number if you'd like to join in to the festivities. You can also text into the show. On the 710 KNUS app on your smartphone, name in town, name in town, if you wish to text in, please. And you can email me 24-7-365, just go to 710knus.com and write to the Jimmy Sangenberger Show page, or log on to my website, jimmysangenberger.com, and go to the contact page there. Keep in mind, there's no A, I, or U in Sangenberger. It's all E's all the time. Once you know that, Sangenberger is easy. Great to be with you this morning once again. We have a lot to get to and cover on today's show coming up in the seven, uh, the 8 o'clock hour. That's hour number two. We will be joined by a homeless man by the name of Dwayne Peterson, who has been homeless since 2018. And for a couple of years during that span, he lived at a tiny home micro-community called Beloved Community Village. He calls that experience in my column yesterday for the Denver Gazette a nightmare. And yet that sort of model and related models is what is being replicated by Denver Mayor Mike Johnston and his administration in City Hall right now in order to achieve his House 1000 plan to put a thousand plus homeless individuals into what he calls, quote-unquote, housing. But what Dwayne Peterson says is not really housing. It is just plain old shelter. Might be a little bit more substantial, sturdy, but it's still shelter and still risky. And he told me that he'd rather live out on the streets in minus six-degree temperatures than in one of those tiny home communities, which is why for the past couple of years he has been living back out on the streets. And yet he's been sounding the alarm quite a bit, sending out emails, being a voice. He's been in various media articles quoted over the past couple of years talking about what's going on with the homeless issue and with the supposed efforts to house the homeless and so forth. He is a sentinel on the streets and he will join us in the next hour. You don't want to miss this fascinating conversation coming up on the program. Also, um, 
it's been a while since we've heard any sort of news about this guy. Well, the trigger wasn't pulled. I didn't pull the trigger. So you never pulled the trigger? No, 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 no. I, I would never point a gun at anyone and pull a trigger at them, never. Someone is responsible for what happened, and I can't say who that is. It's overwhelmingly likely that it was an accident. Of course, that is actor Alec Baldwin, who back in 2021 on the set of an independent film called Rust had a gun misfire and somehow shoot and end up killing one of the crew on that film. Well, just yesterday, word came out that Alec Baldwin has been indicted on two felony counts, including a charge of involuntary manslaughter, months after prosecutors had dropped these charges against the actor. What's going on there? We will be joined by Emily Miller, who almost exactly a year ago, a year ago tomorrow, we had on the show at least on the station. I can't remember if it was my show or if I was filling in. And she is an investigative journalist and a gun rights author. I'm looking forward to talking with Emily Miller about what's happening vis-a-vis Alec Baldwin to get an update and a better understanding of what's happening here and how it does seem like, in fact... And has always seemed like, in fact, Alec Baldwin is likely guilty of what he has been now indicted on, charged with. It's a a pretty fascinating story, and we will dive right into it coming up in just a bit on the program with Emily Miller. 303-696-1971, our telephone number. In a moment, I want to share a little bit from a powerful speech given at the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland, by Argentinian President Javier Millet. But first, let's squeeze in Jack in Evergreen. Good morning, Jack. How are you? Yeah, I just wanted to comment real quick on on Alec Baldwin. I've got a dog going nuts back in. Everybody knows he didn't pull the trigger. I mean, he couldn't have pulled the trigger. It's obvious Donald Trump did it. Yes. I think you've hit the nail on the head. You know exactly who the culprit is. You've put the finger on it, Jack. I'm proud of you. And when you want to talk about Argentina, I've spent a lot of time down there. And this guy is going to be a world-class champion in the history of that country. That country right after World War I fed all of Europe. There's the farmers, it's all, it's, it's an Aquarian country. They were like the sixth richest country in the entire world before the socialists took over. Exactly, the Montaneros. I mean, some, let's talk about that for about an hour someday off air. But this guy, this guy is going to be a world-class. All righty, man. Oh, okay, Jack, appreciate the uh, quick buzz here on the program. And I think you're absolutely right. And how do we know... That Millet is going to be some kind of a superstar because he goes to Davos where the global elite are assembling. And look, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I don't think that there's anything surreptitious going on there. It's just the elite getting together, doing what the elite do. But not Javier Millet, the recently inaugurated president of Argentina, El Presidente, 
is shaking things up because he is, as we talked about several weeks back when he won his election, Javier Millet is a fervent advocate for free markets, a big Milton Friedman fan, a big advocate for all of these great free market thinkers. But let's get to some of his words in Davos, because we are limited on time. Here's some of what he said. As a sentinel and a vanguard for free markets on the global stage, the Western world is in danger. And it is in danger because those who are supposed to have to defend the values of the West are co-opted by a vision of the world that inexorably leads to socialism and thereby to poverty. Unfortunately, in recent decades, motivated by some well-meaning individuals willing to help others, and others motivated by the wish to belong to a privileged caste. The main leaders of the West, Western world have abandoned the model of freedom for different versions of what we call collectivism. We are here to tell you that collectivist experiments are never the solution to the problems that afflict the citizens of the world. Rather, they are the root cause. Do believe me. No one better place than us Argentines to testify to these two points. When we adopted the model of freedom back in 1860, in 35 years, we became a leading world power. In fact, they were number six at their height for wealth in the entire world in Argentina. Argentina. And when we embraced collectivism over the course of the last 100 years, we saw how our citizens started to become systematically impoverished. And we dropped to spot number 140 globally. Since there is no doubt that free enterprise capitalism is superior in productive terms, the left-wing doxa, public opinion, has attacked capitalism alleging matters of morality. They say that capitalism is evil because it's individualistic and that collectivism is good because it's altruistic, of course, with the money of others. So they therefore advocate for social justice. But this concept, Argentine President Javier Millet continued, which in the developed world became fashionable in recent times, in my country has been a constant in political discourse for over 80 years. The problem is that social justice is not just. And it doesn't contribute either to the general well-being. Quite the contrary. It's an intrinsically unfair idea because it's violent. It's unjust because the state is financed through tax and taxes are collected coercively. Or can any one of us say they voluntarily pay taxes? Which means that the state is financed through coercion. And that the higher the tax burden, the higher the coercion, and the lower the freedom. 
Unfortunately, these harmful ideas have taken to a stronghold in our society. Neo-Marxists have managed to co-opt the common sense of the Western world. And this they have achieved by appropriating the media, culture, universities, and also international organizations. The latter case is the most serious one, probably, because these are institutions that have enormous influence on political and economic decisions of the countries that make up the multilateral organizations. Let's be clear. He was in Davos, Switzerland at the World Economic Forum speaking these words. Later on, he goes on to say, at bottom, there are no major differences among different groups of statists, that is. They all say that the state should steer all aspects of lives of individuals. They all defend a model contrary to one that one which led humanity to the most spectacular progress in its history. We have come here today to invite the rest of the countries in the Western world to get back on the path of prosperity, economic freedom, limited government, and unlimited respect for private property. Essential elements for economic growth. Amen, brother. And the impoverishment produced by collectivism is no fantasy, nor is it an inescapable fate. But it's a reality that we Argentines know very well. We have lived through this. We have been through this. Because as I said earlier, ever since we decided to abandon the model of freedom that had made us so rich, we have been caught up in a downward spiral as part of which we are poorer and poorer day by day. Their inflation is like 100% in Argentina. He knows what he's talking about. So this is something we have lived through, and we are here to warn you about what can happen if the countries in the Western world that became rich through the model of freedom stay on this path of servitude. The case of Argentina is an empirical demonstration that no matter how rich you may be or how much you may have in terms of natural resources or how skilled your population may be, or educated, or how many bars of gold you may have in the central bank. If measures are adopted that hinder the free functioning of markets, free competition, free price systems, if you hinder trade, if you attack private property, the only possible fate is poverty. Therefore, in concluding, I would like to leave a message for all business people here and for those who are not here in person but are following from around the world. Do not be intimidated, either by the political caste or parasites who live off the state. Do not surrender to a political class that only wants to stay in power and retain its privileges. You are, sole benef you are social benefactors. You're heroes. You are the creators of the most extraordinary period of prosperity we've ever seen. Let no one tell you that your ambition is immoral. If you make money, it's because you offer a better product at a better price, thereby contributing to general well-being. Do not surrender to the advance of the state.
The state is not the solution. The state is the problem itself. You are the true protagonist of this story. And rest assured that as from today, Argentina is your staunch, unconditional ally. Thank you very much. And long live freedom, damn it. How's that for a speech from a socialistic country that has lived under the tyranny of socialism and suffered under the tyranny of socialism for so long, and now you have its president changing things, shaking things up. And he's on the world stage at the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland, saying that, among other things. Pretty powerful, damn it. Gotta love it. He's an eccentric figure, but he's also quite brilliant and doing the right things already as president of Argentina. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, what really is going on with Alec Baldwin? What risks does he face in this case? We're going to get expert insight and analysis from journalist Emily Miller as we continue on the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. Just getting started, revved up and ready to go. A new stock, 710 KNUS. Rockin' and rollin' back, Jimmy Sangenberger here with you. News Talk 710-KNUS. Great tune from Bobby Misano bringing us back. You know, I feel like in the mind of Alec Baldwin right now, he, he has to think, am I living a bad movie? Is this a bad movie? Because yesterday he was indicted on two felony counts involuntary manslaughter negligent use of a firearm and involuntary manslaughter without due caution or circumspection of course this refers to the death of helena hutchins cinematographer on the independent film rust that was being shot in the film being shot in new mexico in Santa Fe, New Mexico, in, I think, October of 2021. Later that same year, and I think it was his first televised interview, Alec Baldwin, the actor, of course, insisted on ABC News that he wasn't responsible. Well, the trigger wasn't pulled. I didn't pull the trigger. So you never pulled the trigger? No, 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 no. I I would never point a gun at anyone and pull a trigger at them, never. Someone is responsible for what happened, and I can't say who that is. It's overwhelmingly likely that it was an accident. Now, there were charges brought a year ago, almost exactly a year ago from today, against Baldwin that had then been dropped last April. And now he's indicted. Just about exactly a year later than the last time we had her on to talk about this Story that has fascinated many across the country for a few years now. We're rejoined on the program by journalist Emily Miller, author of the book Emily Gets Her Gun and winner, by the way, of multiple awards for investigative journalism. Her website, emilypostnews.com. And Emily Miller rejoins me now. Good morning, Emily. Welcome back. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on. I appreciate your time and the opportunity to talk to you, especially because 
I, I, I stopped following this at a certain point, and I don't know if I realized that the charges have been dropped and then now we're, he's been indicted. Um, we'll get into some of the specifics and the, the legal charges and the issues involved, but can you help us better understand sort of the timeline of how this process has gone on since October 2021 when Helena Hutchins died on set? Um, sure. So um, the Rust movie should, it was hard to say shooting and shooting, but the Rust movie was um, was in rehearsals in October 2021, and Alec Baldwin took a loaded gun um, that had a live round in it, meaning there was some bullets instead of blanks, um, and pulled back the hammer and pulled the trigger, allegedly, and uh, shot and killed his cinematographer, Helena Hutchins, who was behind the camera. And that bullet went through her and into the director, Joel Souza, behind him. So, um, and then it took the sheriff about a year to investigate. And then it took the DA, the district attorney in Santa Fe, about three months to prosecute him or to charge him and to charge the armor on the set. The armor's name is Hannah Gutierrez Reed. Um, she's the one who loaded the gun. So both of them were charged with involuntary manslaughter. And then, um, we can go into details of why Alice Baldwin's charges were dropped. And now the new special prosecutor has come back and, and called a grand jury on Thursday, spent, or Wednesday, spent most of this week presenting um, the case to the grand jury with multiple witnesses. And the grand jury on Friday came out and, and fought with an indictment on two counts, as you said, two counts of involuntary manslaughter against Alice Baldwin. So, of course, we have uh, seen twists and turns in this case, and you had the appointment at some point uh, along the uh, along the way of special prosecutors and so forth. Um, When the charges were dropped in April, what do we understand to have been the reason why that was the case? Because it seems like a pretty big deal to drop charge or to charge somebody, then drop the charges. And then here you are coming back with an indictment. It's a huge deal, and obviously this wouldn't happen if it wasn't a movie star and famous person. I mean, this is not going to happen with a regular person. Sure, um, it, it didn't happen. We can compare it exactly to the armor of Hannah, whose charges were not dropped. And, you know, Hannah didn't fire the gun. Hannah didn't pull the trigger. She didn't do any of those things. And so she's got the same charges as Alec Baldwin, and her charges were never dropped. So we know that this is all about because he's famous and because he also has this incredibly powerful legal team that, you know, costs a fortune. And um, so the, the reason, the reported reason that, so it's, it's such a complicated story for people to follow, but the, there was a district attorney was prosecuting the case and she was forced, the judge forced her to step out of the case for various reasons. And so she handed the case over to two special prosecutors. They then started to investigate the case for a third time. And um, Alec Baldwin's legal team reportedly showed them that the gun had had a trigger replaced at some point with the theory that the trigger would somehow went off on its own because it had been replaced. So it was faulty. Um, those of us who are gun owners or have ever even shot a gun know that triggers never pull themselves. They have to be pulled. And, but Alex Baldwin has insisted from the beginning of this case that he never pulled the trigger. The trigger just quote unquote went off, which is physically impossible. And is now, been proven by an FBI forensics investigation and the special prosecutor's investigation. They did a whole new analysis with an independent firearms expert who said 
the trigger was pulled. So that changed the case again. So going into the fall, once that, once they got back on track, the special prosecutors, they reportedly offered Alice Baldwin a plea deal to a lesser charge. Um, again, special special privilege for him that it didn't offer the armor Hannah Hannah Reed. Um, but he supposedly, reportedly, according to I think NBC News refused to take the deal, kept fighting back against the deal, wouldn't accept any kind of responsibility, any kind of blame. And so that's when the special prosecutors went forward with calling the grand jury and filing these charges and filing this indictment. Emily Miller, our guest. So the armor, Hannah Reed, uh, faced charges and those charges were never dropped, as you pointed out. One of the arguments that Alec Baldwin was trying to make is, I, at least I, I recall him trying to put the onus more on the armor, on others saying it's their responsibility, not mine, because I didn't do this intentionally, I didn't pull the trigger, and therefore something must have been done that was beyond my control by somebody else, i.e. the armor, Hannah Reed. That, to me, was one of the... Yeah. uh, He actually never blamed her. He has never said anything negative about her. Um, but was it just in general said, more abstract because he was saying I will tell you yeah yes yeah. so specifically things he has said he said it's mostly on ABC News since he did an interview with ABC immediately after the shooting he said the trigger was never pulled someone put a live round in a gun the gun goes off um, they didn't get her in a car they didn't someone is responsible I know it's not me I pointed a gun in a direction that she wanted she is the, his victim Helena Hutchins he's talking about. Um, I let go of the hammer. She told me to hold it. And by she, he's again referring to his victim, Helena Hutchins. Um, that's not my responsibility. I didn't pull the trigger. So those are the things that he okay. has said. And so we can look at that as though that's going to be his defense in court. So he's going to say that he did, he's going to continue with this thing with he didn't pull the trigger, which has been proven by two, the FBI and an independent um, investigator that that's not true. He's going to say he didn't put the live round in it and it's not his responsibility to check to see if there's live rounds in a gun. Um, he's going to say that he pulled back the hammer on the gun, but didn't pull the trigger. Um, and he's going to say that, um, that someone is responsible, but it's not him. So that's what is going to be his defense. Unless he comes up with a new defense, we know what his defense is going to be in court. And it looks like it's going to be a jury trial. I mean, he has already only got a plea deal one time. He got a plea deal already. He obviously angered the special prosecutors about it and so there's highly unlikely he's going to get another plea deal offer this time and that means he's going to a jury trial um which i want to cover in person because this is going to be one one of the major trials you've ever seen yeah oh thank you for all the all the clarification there i appreciate it and that's exactly why i wanted to have you on so we could really get an understanding of what is going on in this case again we're talking with emily miller her website emily post news Dot com. When we look here at a case like this involving, as you said, a very famous actor and a death on set and the circumstances surrounding this that um, or, or concerning uh, in, an, in and of themselves, you look at this case and you see the nature of it. One of the things that is 
has been coming up a lot in discussion is the idea of having even blanks and guns and how you how they handle firearms on sets. What is the responsibility? Let's say you're even talking about a blank uh, when you have a firearm of not just the people who are on staff, who are, uh, you know, maybe the armor or maybe whomever else handles the gun who's behind the scenes in the crew, but even the actor. What are the responsibilities of that individual, regardless of what may or may not be actually inside the gun as far as, say, a bullet or what have you? Well, gun rules are the same in Hollywood as they are for the rest of us. Gun safety rules. And the, the SAG after, which is a major union, has a, has a list of gun safety rules. And again, Hollywood uses real guns. I'm not sure where people get this sort of misconceived notion that it's a prop or it's not real. These are real guns. And Alcohol would help pick out the guns, actually. Um, so when you're ever you're using real guns, you've got the major safe, three major the three safety rules, which is don't point don't pull the trigger until you're ready to shoot, keep the gun pointed in a safe direction, and assume the gun is loaded. And those rules are exactly the same in Hollywood at our movie set as they are at our local range or you know if you're hunting. Um, and they are in the union. And Alec Baldwin has said in multiple interviews that he's been trained on the gun rules and he knows them. Like for example, he said. I think you said earlier, um, I know not to, I would never pull the, oh, you played it earlier. I know not to pull the trigger if I have a gun pointed at someone, I would never do that. So he has known the rules and he has just disregarded them in this case. Um, Why? We don't know, but that's what he's charged for. He's charged for, quote, total disregard or indifference for the safety of others um, for ignoring the gun rules. And it really, it doesn't matter whatever's loaded the gun, whether in Hollywood you have a dummy's or you have blanks, which are real rounds, but without the bullet in them. Um, it doesn't matter because it's the gu- still a real gun. Is you have to always assume the gun is loaded with real rounds and, and treat it that way. And that's both the rules in Hollywood and the rules in real life and the rules by the under law. Yeah, yeah let's hear that clip one more time. Well, the trigger wasn't pulled. I didn't pull the trigger. So you never pulled the trigger? No, 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 no. I, I would never point a gun at anyone and pull a trigger at them, never. Someone is responsible for what happened, and I can't say who that is. It's overwhelmingly likely that it was an accident. Everyone in our country is guaranteed the presumption of innocence, but it does seem like his defense team, because of things that he said in particular, as you just mentioned, he indicates I would never pull the trigger. He understands and knows a lot of these, not a lot of these, he knows the rules when it comes to firearms, and you talk, you just broke that down. So how big of a challenge does it seem, particularly based on his statements, for the defense team to say, okay, you need to to uh, acquit him of these charges? I mean, they've got a huge case in front of them. I will say they're a very high-priced New York law firm, um, Quinn Emanuel, and um, they've gotten him through this this far. They've gotten him, you know, they're, they're very successful and they've been very good for him. So, um, but... You're going, to have a, you're going to have a jury of regular people, I'm sure some of them will be gun owners, who are going to hear him say, knowing I know the rules, and some videos came out recently um, by his production team that show him saying, pointing to someone and saying, get out of the way, I'm using, you know, pointing a gun this way. So he knows all this, and he's going to be, they're going to be presenting all of this, the, the prosecution, I'm sure, as, along with mostly a lot of witnesses who, who can cite all these things and say, you know, he pointed the gun. He was doing a cross draw. The other thing that's going to be tough for him in court is the armorer, which her trial is supposed to start in February next month. Um, it's 
I think it's amazing if that's, they're really going to go through with that this quickly. Um, but she's going to be able to testify that he, she wanted to give him more training lessons, um, gun training, safety lessons, and he refused. And that the one that they did have, he spent the time on the phone and was distracted. So he's going to have, this is going to be a really tough case and uh, for against him. And, uh, but again, he has the best legal team you can buy. So, um, yeah, I, I'm sure he will, you know, utilize that. Just a couple minutes left with the Emily Miller. And I'm curious, maybe it's more repetition of something that you have already said, but what do you think is sort of the biggest misnomer or misunderstanding or thing that people don't get right about this case or the issues involved in the, in the general public? Uh, number one, that the gun went off. Um, guns for people who've never shot a gun or held a gun, it is there is no way mechanically that a gun can shoot without someone pulling the trigger. Um, it just can't happen. So that theory isn't true. And I think the second thing is that people blame the armorer for loading the gun with the live round, which of course she's being prosecuted for. Um, and nobody knows to this day. They don't know how live rounds got on the set. It's, it's still not known. It's so bizarre to me that it's not known. Um, but they're saying, well, it's her fault because he sh- he didn't have to. He- she was responsible for loading it. However, all gun safety rules, whether it's like I said, Hollywood union rules or just the ones the NRA post at your local shooting range, say that you should always check the firearm yourself, um, check and see if it's loaded. And if he had, if Alec Baldwin had checked the rounds, he would have noticed the ones that didn't rattle. The ones that rattle are the ones that are fake, and would have known that this was a live round in there, and this would not have happened. So. Those are two things I think are the main yeah. misconceptions people have. Yeah, agreed. Um, do we have any sense for what the timeline would be? Obviously, the trial hasn't been set, but could this be next year, two years out? How long might this thing be prolonged before we get to trial, do you think? I, I, I don't know because they haven't announced the trial date. They only announced the indictment. They will announce the trial date soon. Um, we can just look to... Um, to the armor Hannah Gutierrez read um, pattern and her her trial is coming in one year after it was indicted because her trial is next month so it would probably be about the same period unless they can make it shorter time frame because um, they'll have more information of her trial so I would say within the next year can, can her trial it, whatever comes out of it let's say she's found guilty or she is found not guilty could her trial have impacts or provide evidentiary support for the prosecution or maybe for the defense in Baldwin's case, do you know? Of course, yeah. yes. And of course, then she will also testify in his trial. So mm-hmm. we'll see what happens. Yeah, definitely. It is a fascinating story. Very tragic as well, to be sure. But it also gives us quite an eye into um, what money can buy in terms of your legal team and, and fame and so forth when all of those things are put together. Uh, Emily Miller, author of Emily Gets Her Gun, her website, emilypostnews.com. Um, I hope you get there to cover it. I know you're an independent journalist and folks can support you at your website <clears throat> Excuse me, yes. as well. In, in that you. endeavor. But if you uh, do get there, and I wish you the best uh, uh, in getting there, um, would love to have you back on and, and we can talk about the case as it's, as it's happening. It sounds like a plan. We will do that. Again, Thank in, you. independent journalist Emily Miller joining us. EmilyPostNews.com is her website. Really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. It's been great. Thank you. Take care.
you as well. Once again, Emily Miller joining us. I remember first meeting Emily at the Western Conservative Summit years ago when uh, she spoke about gun rights. And I think that was particularly in tandem with her book, uh, Emily Gets Her Gun. Yeah, way back in 2013 is when that book came out and really focusing on um, gun rights and, and issues relating to gun control and so forth. But that is just a fascinating story. And it's going to keep going in, in maybe twists and turns that we might not expect. He was charged a year ago. Then the charges were dropped three months later. And then he's offered a plea deal later on when they realize from an FBI forensic analysis investigation and a, a special prosecutor's investigation. They're like, wait, actually, there's something here. Clearly, the trigger was pulled. We need to charge him or do something with this. So they go to him and say, you want a plea deal? Here's our terms. Nope, we're not going to do that. Well, now he's indicted as of yesterday. Where does this go? That is the big question. 303-696-1971 is our telephone number. What do you make of all of this? What do you think might come about for Alec Baldwin? Give us a call. Text into the show. Happy to have your thoughts on the program this morning as we continue on the Jimmy Sangenberger Show, now 7 to 10 on 710 KNUS. Wrapping up and winding down the first hour of the Jimmy Sangenberger Show, News Talk 710 KNUS. Great to be with you once again, as always. So, it's one of those things, when you hear a story like this with a famous actor like Alec Baldwin, and you think, oh my gosh, you know, Hollywood and Hollywood pontificating, and then you have the... uh, shooting take place at the shooting of a film and a cinematographer is shot and killed and then you have the events unfold as they did and you have an actor saying things well, like the trigger this. wasn't pulled i didn't pull the trigger so no. you never pulled the trigger no 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 I, I would never point a gun at anyone and pull a trigger at them never someone is responsible for what happened and i can't say who that is it's overwhelmingly likely that it was an accident Now, an FBI forensic investigation, investigation by special prosecutors, concluded there's no way that he didn't pull the trigger. The trigger had to be pulled. So now he has been indicted on two felony counts of involuntary manslaughter. Now... They say, or in the alternative, so it could be one or the other, but they're putting the options before a jury, and this is an indictment from a grand jury. And we'll see what happens, but it definitely gives us an eye. She made a great point in the last thing. She, I mean, Emily Miller, our guest, independent journalist. We had her on, and she's been covering this story from day one very, very well. Nobody doing better work than, than Emily. And... As you look at what happened, nobody else, she said, would have just been able to get their charges dropped. Like, 
Baldwin was with his high-powered lawyers. So we'll see what happens moving ahead. I'm Jimmy Sangenberger. Coming up, the Sentinel on the streets. Homeless man Dwayne Peterson joins us on the program. Fascinating hour coming up. Stay with us. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.